Hello and welcome to this week's Therapy For Me and because I need to go and pour my tea I'm going to make the intro really really quick because you know how precious I'm about my tea and it's about ready to be done. Um, We'll crack on with a little bit of that twangy guitar. Monday. Now, you know, I'm going to get into concrete, I'm going to get into schools, and I'm going to get into austerity, and I'm going to get into Tory politicians, and I'm going to get into all sorts of things this week because they've all re-emerged and I can't, I can't not. That kind of, the kind of summer hiatus has come to an end to a certain extent um, with regard to TFM and politics. Um, But before we get there, I want to talk ITVX, and I I want to talk ITVX and where it takes you in terms of programs from uh, various points in your life. And the reason about this is because I I, fa- I stumbled across in their drama section uh, Jack the Ripper. Now, Jack the Ripper, uh, there's been many versions of, of Jack the Ripper made, but the, the version I'm talking to was of, uh, one made by Houston Films, and it was made in the late 80s. I think it was 88, 89. And it had Michael Caine in it, and it was a it was a two part, so three hours worth of um, worth of sort of mini series, and um, and it was it was well, it, it had a Hammer House of horror feel about it. I'm a, I I couldn't think of another way of, of describing it, but it was it was quintessentially British, um, and it and it it was trying to be a. a a big stage thing. It was probably a precursor or probably an, an answer to some of those big kind of American miniseries dramas. It probably, you know, was 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 going after the kind of, you know, Dallas and Dynasty and then things, these kind of series like the Thornbirds and all that kind of stuff. It was probably in that kind of, I think it was going after Sumptuous, but it didn't necessarily get to Sumptuous. And, um, and it's a strange little thing because it's got, it's got Michael Caine absolutely chewing the scenery uh, as the as the inspector, um, and it's got lots of performances that could have been in one of the the kind of the two Ronnie spoof dramas, um, but it went on to win awards, which I was quite surprised about when I checked out its Wikipedia page, which is also strangely is dedicated in large part to the inaccuracies of it. Um, all the bits they got wrong, but it's 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 just this strange thing. I don't, I don't quite know how to put it. And if you've got access to ITVX and you can find it, and you can sit, I mean, I sat through it more out of sentimental um, value than anything else, um, and and because of this strange sort of hammer house of horror thing that's going on with the the titles and the music. Um, versus the the rest of the production, but if you if you find it and you can sit through it, then it's quite an interesting late eighties kind of piece of thing. Uh, though, as I say, I'm still quite astonished that it that it won stuff. Um, and I don't know why I don't know why I found myself there, but for two afternoons this week or for two early evenings this week, I just ended up sitting down and watching that. <laughs> The good thing is it finally appears that 
uh, as a community, we are seeing through uh, manipulation of numbers and calling out these things when they happen. But the the problem I have is the fact they're still happening with the regularity they're happening. I'm referring, of course, to Suella Braverman on Sky News this week, who went on to uh, to cry from the rooftops about increases in policing numbers in their attempt at the start of the week to control the narrative, which, as with all cases, always unravels before the end of the week. Um, but at the start of the week, they wanted to talk police numbers, and they wanted to talk about the fact that they have recruited 23,000 new police officers. And um, very quickly, um, these numbers have been debunked for what they are. Um, the, the, um, the the reporter on Sky News, whose name I can't remember, um, she the first thing she said was, well, that's fine, but when you came into office in 2010, you had this many, 148,000 or what have you, and in the in the sort of the the, the you know it, it, 10, 11 years since then, you lost 20,000 police officers. So in fact, what you've done is you've recruited 3,000 police officers. You've not recruited 23,000 police officers because the net increase since you came to power is is 3,000. Uh, and and Braverman just tried to talk through this. Uh, and then changed it to, well, we've got record numbers of police officers. Uh, those are the facts. But even that in of itself is wrong because the population's grown since then. So as a proportion of the population, whether the, the single actual number is more than it was, the fact of the matter is, as a proportion, we had more police officers in 2010 that we have in, than we have in 2023. And this is all coming about because the big, the big push was for the police to investigate every piece of crime. Every bit of low-level crime was going to be investigated. And the obvious question that came back from that statement was, well, where's the resource? Where's the resource to do that? And of course, that's when you get the big the big kind of well, we've done this. We've recruited twenty three thousand police officers, aren't we? Aren't we? Aren't we tough on crime? Aren't we the party of law and order? When in reality, all it's really done is highlighted quite the reverse. And we're going to come back to austerity um, a bit further on when we start to talk about schools. But um, it, it was it was great to actually see this being slapped down straight away for what it was, and then one of the prime minister's tweets. Um, which I don't think we can call tweets anymore, I don't even know what they're called under X, uh, had a, um, a notice put on it to uh, effectively say that the, the, the use of the those figures that he was trying to use in the same way were, were misleading. So hopefully, hopefully we can start to get to a place where we be a little bit more honest about about where we were. Because actually... There's some merit in turning around and saying, look, it's been really tough. We we had to balance the books, yada, yada, yada. But if you've had 10 years of austerity, stand behind the decisions you made and then say, we did this and now we've got back to X. Don't try and make it, well, we're 20,000 police officers better than we ever were when clearly we're not. Wednesday. While we're on the subject of austerity, I don't know where else you go with regard to the issue, the current issue that schools have got on concrete uh, and the fact that potentially hundreds of schools won't be fully open for the start of the new term, other than to look at the fact that the school's building programme was scrapped very early um, in the life of the Conservative government from 2010 onwards. Um, There's no other way of putting this other than saying... I honestly believe that austerity will come home to roost. 
Um, I get it. I get the whole thing about balancing the books. I get all of that. Not that it's really made any material difference. Austerity's not proved to have left us in a much better state. Uh, well, look, we're still not back to 28, 2008 um, figures anywhere, as far as I can tell. Um, certainly not meaningfully. But ultimately, if you withdraw money from programmes that are there to replace and refurbish schools, and you take that money away for a period of a decade or more, then to find situations like this, where you suddenly, those those problems, those things that would have been naturally resolved through a period of time that would have been identified and put right because there was a program in place and there was money in place to do that kind of thing, those, those things would have... I'm not saying they wouldn't have disappeared, and I'm not saying they wouldn't have been a scandal, but you would have had an answer for them straight away, rather than less than a week before the start of a new school term, effectively starting to close down school buildings and ask parents to make alternative provision or put kids back into online learning, Sim- simply because, and, and let's talk about this, let's kind of, I mean, look, we're talking about the structures that you send children to are not safe. The one thing primarily, you know, and this comes across when you're a a, a governor particularly, the one thing uppermost in the responsibilities um, of schools and of, um, I guess, not only the staff, but also the infrastructure is, is the safety and well-being of, of the students that that's the that's the first thing when you you know that's that comes ahead of everything else and if you can't guarantee that then okay that's that's terrible now if you can't guarantee that in one or two isolated examples then that is what it is that's just an isolated example you resolve but if it's something that is known and i think the numbers are only going to grow and it looks like they're going to also we're going to be talking about hospitals which we've been talking about anyway i seem to remember these conversations from months and months and months ago not just now this is not just something that's happened um you know there's there's reports coming out that this conversation around schools goes back to 2019 but i think we'll probably find out it goes it goes before that so there is nothing new in this information but we've just got We've just got chaos, and whichever way we look at it, this this chaos seems to follow this particular administration around, this particular government around, but it seems to have been sown by the the thirteen years of 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 whatever the planners kind of have have been, um, and I, I'm I'm really I'm really kind of. I mean, disgusted is is probably in this sense is not a strong enough term for finding ourselves in this kind of situation. I mean, the the reason this decision was made, as far as I can tell, was that um, the, the over the summer holidays, I, I understand a, a, either there was a real risk of a beam giving way and a, and a, a um, and there being a collapse, or there actually was a collapse. And if that was the case, then we're just very very lucky that it it happened in August. Because it could have happened at a at a point with a classroom, you know, full of children. So I don't know where else you go to look at the blame for this, other than where the blame obviously sits. And I think in this instance, I don't know if there's any more nuance to this, other than you can easily plot the path back to 
a process where it should have been resolved as part of normal working practice, but normal working practice got switched off. Thursday. I've not talked much about the football. I've not talked much about Sheffield United's return to the Premier League. And that's mainly because it's been a difficult summer. It's been a difficult summer in terms of players that we've lost. And now the transfer window has come to an end and we've managed to make some signings. We we look better than we did at a point through the summer, but we we still look like a team that's going to be fighting relegation um, and that it's going to take some kind of miracle to not go straight back down again. Um, and that's obviously, as a football fan, that's quite depressing. So you don't really want to dwell on that too much. Um we've we made a couple of good signings in the last few days which is which is positive including uh, bringing a a lad called James McAtee back to Bramall Lane from Man City who will who will be a joy to watch. And there's a couple of other players we've signed who I think are going to be very interesting. The fact that we sold our two very best players very early um, or, or not very early, but certainly, um, you know, at the point when the season was starting was a huge blow and we haven't yet picked up a point. Um, we could have done. We could have we could have picked up a, a draw first game of the season. We could have beaten Forest at Forest, even though we ended up losing. We, we conceded very late on and we lost, as you'd expect, to European champions Man City at home last week. But in all of this... In all of this, whatever happens this season, and if we go straight back down, um, and let's face it, you don't support Sheffield United for the glamour, but if we go straight back down, the performance last week at Man City when we lost 2-1 was magnificent. I was remarkably proud of both um, Sheffield United as a football team and Sheffield United as a collective of supporters and as a unit last week because both were superb. Um, In one of those epic mismatches when you look at resource and amount of money put into the squad, which last week was, and last week was an epic mismatch of of uh, David and Goliath proportions, um, my football team played with incredible heart and played with incredible organisation and played with incredible um, tenacity and could easily have got a draw. Um, could easily have got a draw. We worked really, really hard against a plan and we frustrated the best team in Europe for a large period of time. And when they did eventually score through a little lapse in concentration, we 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 pressured and we harried and we pressed and we got a goal back. And it was it was only, you know, a mistake at the other end, probably a bit of mental tiredness, a little bit of an experience from one player that allowed them to get back in. So whilst I might not talk a lot about football through the course of, of the season, because it's it's going to be an uncomfortable and difficult, well, not uncomfortable, it's going to be a difficult season if we're just losing football matches. That one match alone is, is enough already to mean that there'll be a lot of pride, even if that's the eventual outcome. <laughs> It's going to be a tough call between flip the switch and push the button for this week's episode title. Um, Both of which came to me when I was out walking yesterday morning because yesterday morning's walk um, was autumnal. Um, And it was autumnal on the 1st of September and it felt like somebody had literally flicked a switch. 
the ground was heavy with dew. Um, there was that light mist um, in the air. Uh, it looked like an autumnal morning and felt like an autumnal morning. It felt like an autumnal morning from the end of September rather than necessarily at the first, because obviously clearly we don't move to autumn yet. But I think everybody thinks autumn when they think of the 1st of September, I probably just down to the school terms. Um, and I just was quite struck by how it, it felt like that. It felt like that flip the switch moment that, that, that it had, that somebody had predetermined. Also, it, in the last couple of days, the nights have really come in. Um, I've noticed how much earlier it's getting dark in the way that you do, even though, you know, it's, it's linear. And it happens in, you know, at this pretty much at a similar sort of rate. And I don't know, by the way, if I'm making a mistake here and it isn't linear and it doesn't happen at the same rate, then fine, I accept that. But in my head, it happens at the same rate. It gets a little bit darker every day or it gets a little bit lighter. And that's what it does. Um, and yet the last couple of days, it's just felt like, no, oh, no, it's suddenly it's getting dark early. Um even though it, it clearly hasn't, so it's a it's a Sugar Babes Rolling Stones choice, um, and I love Push the Button as a song. I think it's a great piece of pop music, but I think I prefer Flip the Switch as a title. So I might have to go with what is an obscure Rolling Stones song off the Bridges to Babylon album that I don't even know is is that good. Um, the, the, there's a couple of interesting bits of production in it, but it, it feels like a throwaway Rolling Stones song. But I think we might have to go with that. So if you do click on it and listen to it, I apologise that it's not it's 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 not going to necessarily you know shift um, and shift the dial particularly as far as a piece of music goes. Uh, and lyrically, it's uh, I think there's a theme underneath it. Um, you know. Um, in, in t- and I don't know whether it's assisted dying or execution. I'm not quite sure which of the two it is, but the 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 point is, I think I might have to go there because I think it's probably a better episode title. And I think in context of of how I felt when I was walking yesterday morning, it felt like a definite flick of a switch, um, rather than rather than push the button, which doesn't sound quite as I don't know definite as as maybe what flip the switch sounds like so that might be where you've got your episode title from this week and i thought i'd just add that bit of context uh other than that uh, i hope you well hope you had a good week uh i hope you're ready for what the next week is going to bring if you have people in your life who are going to go back into education or if you're going back into education yourself because we're in that funny crossover period and everything's about to get real as of next week um and if you are going back into education i hope you've got a a safe building to go back into uh and with that i will talk to you next time if you've enjoyed therapy for me then please subscribe and share as you see fit this has been an a short stories production